0: Hey, everyone. Welcome to uh, Dr. Drew Podcast. Appreciate y'all being here. We are still alive and kicking here. And uh, we appreciate you uh, supporting the show and supporting the people that allow us to do this show, make it possible. And uh, as well, uh, any suggestions for guests, send it over to contact Uh A little note going forward, we are wrapping up After Dark uh, for 2024. Uh, and they're going to double down on this show and the uh, Ask Dr. Drew streaming show at 3 o'clock Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, typically. They'll so keep an eye out for that at Doctor TV. And uh, Adam and I, of course, will keep doing our thing and uh, look out for some, maybe some new uh, love line type stuff coming, coming your way. Today, it is my privilege to welcome Dr. Steven Radowitz. He is the chief medical officer at Nushama. Uh, he has a lot of experience dealing with uh, trauma, both uh, physical and uh, psychiatric health, neurological health. And uh, he is interested in a lot of different treatment modalities. He runs a primary go- care program at uh, Goldman Sachs. He is an internist. and been doing primary care since 1998. Got his MD from Chicago Med and uh, was originally deep in the AIDS pandemic, as a lot of us were back then. Mm-hmm. Uh, preventative medicine is a interesting I- area of interest for him. And please welcome Dr. Radaway. Did I get that correctly?
1: Yeah, most of it. Yeah, most of um, it. Right, well, <laughs> that's good. Thanks for having me.
0: Yeah, any of us that trained, uh, really, I suppose, pre two oh, thousand. Yeah. I mean, in my, I was in training all through the eighties, and uh, majority of patients were AIDS patients. I yeah. Mean, yeah. The residents got all that stuff, uh, and uh, yeah, so it was really it was a fascinating time to be a part of this extraordinary and, and, and dark period. Is the other thing yeah. is that there were aren't people around to tell the story except people like you yeah. and me you know, right there with, the, with, with the, trauma. <laughs> oh my God. It was, it
1: yeah, was I remember the, awful. yeah. Just, it was like almost like a concentration camp. I used to walk on, you know, the HIV floors. They used to have these isolated HIV wards and, uh, that were just unbelievable. The things I saw, um,
0: it's interesting. We, we would, I, I would, <laughs> we didn't isolate the AIDS patients. We, um, we had them on hematology and infectious disease. Oh, really? That's yeah. where they ended up. Uh, and, and, oh, man, uh, you know, it wasn't one thing, right? I mean, I I will never forget um, seeing a Burkitt's lymphoma mm-hmm. literally tear a guy in half in about a week. It was yes. just these unbelievably aggressive tumors. And I just thought, oh, oh my gosh, so, so, so sad. Oh, but yeah. Let's move off that. Let's move off yeah. the, the traumatizing history, <laughs> <Well, hope. laughs> talking about the treatment of trauma at Hope and how you it's got involved awesome. with that and what your interests are. Let's get it in. And, and let me just say, one of the reasons that motivated today's interview is the whole ketamine issue came up because of Matthew Perry, of course, and uh, I'll I'll tell you my opinion on that once I hear from you. I'll give you a chance to talk first.
1: Mm-hmm. Great. I mean, you know, you want to know how I got into ketamine, you know, I guess I, you know, over the years I've treated, you know, from the AIDS crisis, I worked in a, you know, I ran a heroin and alcohol detox unit in an inner city hospital in Manhattan, um, I worked in Goldman Sachs. I've had a very, you know, a very wide range of, of, um, of practice uh, uh, settings. And one thing you see throughout is, you know, is mental health, the effects of mental health, not on just on mental, but, but on physical health. Mm -hmm. And over the years, um, I, you know, I I see the way it's being treated and it just seems like we're very limited. And, 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 you know, after COVID hit, I knew that there was going to be a, ma- a massive um, issue with mental health, a lot of uh, I- isolation, alienation. Um, and um, I was offered this uh, this role to become medical director of, of ketamine. I got into it through my own work through this. Um, over the years, um, I my own partner had a lot of uh, actually mental, uh, some uh, issues with uh, chronic he- severe headaches. Mm-hmm. And um, tried everything, uh, acupuncture, sinus surgery, uh, Botox, um, amitriptyline, many different treatments, and nothing really worked. And someone uh, mentioned doing one of these sort of a psychedelic journey. And it took us a long time to do that. We weren't into this type of thing. And uh, eventually, after about a year of, of uh, negotiating that whole thing, we we went in and tried it. And uh, after one treatment, he was shown actually where the tre- where the trauma was coming from and the headaches completely went away after one treatment.
0: Wow. Did he do it in this country or do you have to go
1: somewhere Yeah, else? elsewhere. Yeah. And, elsewhere.
0: and you say shown. That's a kind of a loaded term yeah, so in that world.
1: It is. It is. It is. It's, you know, in, in, in certain psychedelic journeys, sometimes you are, you have certain visions or journeys or it takes you on a, on, a, on, a, on a trip. And sometimes you are shown almost like a movie of where certain traumas, he had some deep, you know, some issues uh, growing up and he was shown in a very loving and a very open way where the the sort of the root of it was and he came to see it in a much more open and to re almost reframe that 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 situation uh with more openness and um and i guess and the headaches just all the stress that was related to it just went away completely went away oh, power in and uh
0: yeah so so you said you ran a uh a, a, a drug unit and uh you know i i had a I spent many years running a, l- a large unit in a psychiatric hospital, and we dealt with polydiagnosed you know every it, the only thing we couldn't handle was a ventilator, anything else we, we got it and um I always said that if you had bad enough addiction that you needed to see me, there was a one hundred percent probability of childhood trauma just one hundred percent it was the rocket fuel that got you to me <laughs> you may you might have plenty of other alcoholics addicts out there that don't get to me they may or may not have trauma It's very common, however, but okay. Uh, And so I likewise have been working in trauma forever. Got very fascinated with uh, really interpersonal neurobiology and uh, the the work of guys like Alan Shore and and, uh, Peter Fonagy and um, Stephen Porges and trying to work out what trauma was actually doing to our brain, try to understand this thing. And uh, the interpersonal context of healing it seems to you know it was always to me a really important part because when somebody uh goes through trauma it's it's often you know in a vulnerable situation and so they no longer allow themselves to be vulnerable around other humans and that closes down inner subjectivity um it does all that get better too with these rapid treatments you're thinking about and talking about
1: yeah i mean it's work you know i think what it does is it opens us up to seeing our reality in a new way. Mm -hmm. So I think the whole idea of trauma or difficult life experiences that don't get processed Again, you know, 90% of the people who come in, 95% of the people that come to see me for whether it's addiction or for various mood disorders have some type of developmental trauma, some type of childhood issue of growing up. And as a child, you know, the brain, I think this machine is here to make sure that we exist in this world. And it does so by taking previous past information and trying to predict future dangers based on that past information and process that. And it uses the emotions to sort of trigger a response. Mm -hmm. And some of the information that went into programming this mind was you know it was was entered when we were children through these traumatic events and that's how we see the world what the ketamine and some of these psychedelics do is they open up it's almost like a a chemical key to the this sort of they call the default mode network or this connection this this relay center between our past memories and our emotions and what it, it opens that up and allows us to 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 appreciate, see the world in a more open way. So we don't get triggered as much. So the things that would normally trigger us based on our past events as a child are no longer, we're able to process that information from, from where we are right now in our life. And, and, you know, it's like an operating system that hasn't been updated. It's been programmed when we were children. It hasn't been updated since we've been, been a child and where we are right now, we're safe. Most yeah. of us, 90%, 95% of those people who had childhood trauma are currently in a safe situation. Their life is not in danger. Yeah.
0: Yeah, so that's- and so, how do you? I want to drill into ketamine specifically in a second, but how do you decide which modality for what kind of patients?
1: I mean, the modality, I mean, you know, most, I think they're different. And what are the
0: modalities you use, by
1: the way? We didn't yeah, really- I mean, we only use right now, the only modality that's available that's legal in this country is ketamine, IV. So, we only use, we use IV. Uh, we have a protocol using IV intravenous ketamine. Um, that's infused over a sixty-minute period. We do our pro- our protocol is a series of two infusions a week over a three-week period.
0: Is, is it? About, is there a guided therapeutics with it, or is it really? Yeah, just so, Yeah.
1: So before they could even come in, they have to be cleared medically. We do a medical and psychiatric evaluation. Once they're cleared, they come in and they they meet with a the nurse. They have a whole nursing evaluation. Then they meet with the doctor where we discuss the dose, and then they have an integration coach, which would be a therapist, a life coach that comes in and helps them set create a safe environment, like a safe setting for them to go into these experiences. Um, and, and, you know, and then they go and they listen to music, they have a eye, you know, an eye mask, and they go into a very inward experience over that 60-minute infusion. And then afterwards, after they come out of the infusion, they meet with the integration coach again to, you know, discuss what comes up and how they can integrate some of, of the experiences into their daily life.
0: So. Do you have uh, enthusiasm for psilocybin and LSD and other hallucinogenic uh,
1: interventions? You know, I do. I do. I think that's good. They're all going to have incredible, they're going to be different, you know, different treatments. And I think some will benefit certain people in different ways.
0: That's the part um, we got to figure out. I, the, the risk, yeah. r- you know, reward piece of this. I, I don't get it yet. I, yeah. no, doubt, I no doubt it's going to be useful. There's just no doubt. The question is for whom, at what
1: risk? Exactly. Yeah. I mean, I think the risks for some of these things, even LSD, we know that, you know, uh physical risk is very, very low, even for psilocybin. Um MDMA might have certain other risks as it is an amphetamine and does, you know, raise the heart rate and whatnot. So there are some more limitations to MDMA.
0: Although I, I worry about LSD, I gotta tell you, not psilocybin. Well I did see one case, but But certainly LSD, having worked in a psychiatric hospital for 30 years, I saw so much way downstream problems neuropsychiatrically from LSD.
1: Yeah, I think when LSD, you know, LSD is a different one. I think it's going to be the last to to be approved for medical reasons. There's a lot of very good data coming from, you know, previous studies. But um, I think you have to use that with a lot of care. I think anyone who has any underlying psychosis or risk of psychosis, schizophrenia would, would not be a candidate for anything like
0: that. It's uh, it's just, I'm going to say it because I saw it a few times. I I saw downstream really intense mood disturbances. Uh, And again, hard to know what I was seeing because there was a lot of reckless use of LSD back in the day. Yeah. And so it's just, but, but I did see it. And I, and I saw some people that developed these strange uh, cognitive syndromes where they became unable to take care of themselves. It, it, it was, it was very odd. It wasn't a dementia. They just ended up like non, they couldn't function normally. It was very, very odd. I, I So hard
1: to it wasn't something wasn't triggered by, you know, some underlying issue that was triggered or expressed uh, well, by except that except
0: this, the same syndrome came out a few times. Oh, right. uh, it, it, the, the, the unable to take care of themselves was clearly a lot of LSD exposure. Those were people that That's were sad. touring in rock bands in the 60s and stuff. Sure. um so but it but there it was you know i don't know what that was or how much but anyway so
1: all these but, things have to be used with a lot of care i mean that, exactly you know, like- exactly I mean, i'm still enthusiastic
0: <laughs> that we find good uses for these things I mean, just because they have risk doesn't mean they can't be used everything has risk in medicine i'm back again to tell you about hvmn and their new product ketone iq HVMN stands for Health Via Modern Nutrition. And Ketone IQ is this clean energy boost without sugar or caffeine. You take the shot whenever you need to re-energize. And I've used it to manage appetite. I've used it for mental clarity. It was designed to help special forces. And uh, I know those guys now, and I'm telling you, if it's helping them, uh, I'm all ears. It's a great source of energy. It's a ketone. It's a modified ketone. So it's not the ketone that's usually available in some of the other supplements out there. And it seems more able to produce mental clarity. It is longer acting. And it seems more potent generally. And I've noticed that I use it at times when I'm trying to particularly do things like intermittent fasting. It works great. The brand, again, is HVMN. And I'm here to tell you, you can save 30% off your first subscription order of Ketone IQ. It's K-E-T-O-N-E-I-Q. Ketone IQ, you can get it at HVMN.com slash Drew. Again, that is HVMN dot com slash d-r-e-w how is what you were doing different than the sort of six treatment protocols that were originally approved for ketamine for mood disturbance
1: yeah so they're very similar they're based our protocols are based on those uh treatments a lot out of yale dr crystal um, so we base it on that, and, and you know, we've seen close to 1,300 uh, individual members—we call them members—that uh, come through our program. Probably close to 9,000 infusions, um, and we found that 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 protocol works best. Sometimes we'll space it out in certain situations, but I really feel that people with and the people who qualify, you know, the people who come into our program are are heavily treatment resistant. Mm. You know, so been treatment more- in,
0: in mood or mood. what? Mood. mood so this so mood, is, yeah. your primary diagnosis is mood disturbance
1: mood disturbances so it's severe you know treatment resistant depression yeah anxiety ptsd and okay
0: and, well now two different things right I, and i and and can you can you get this for ptsd i mean is yeah. it approved for that okay uh because uh, and and so because the ptsd just trauma right complex trauma and complex ptsd and stuff um and, and so when somebody has strictly a mood and no trauma, do you still do all the life coaching and the guided stuff, or you just let the ketamine do its thing?
1: Yeah, we let. I mean, no, no. Everyone gets everyone gets uh, you know the 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 integration pre and post. Mm. That's standard for everybody. Um, and I think you know there's, it's very rare that someone comes in with PTSD that doesn't have a, a you know coexisting right, uh, mood disorder. It's sort yes. of it's yes. all together. And it's very rare that someone with with uh, you know, mood disorder doesn't have some type of significant developmental trauma. Well, that,
0: that latter statement is actually kind of interesting. Uh, and, and I think people would push back on you for yeah. saying that. I would not. <laughs> I, I agree with you. Um, and I remember hearing a psychiatrist, he said it a little differently about 20 years ago. He said, he said essentially, all of our patients with mood disorders have access to problems. And when I hear access to problems, I hear trauma. <laughs> that's, that's what I that's what yeah, I that's what it is
1: yeah
0: access just to define for people access to means personality disorders or personality construct issues and and that's back to what dr rados was saying about the updating the system you get stuck in these dysfunctional strategies essentially and that becomes ingrained in your personality yeah so uh let's talk about matthew perry for a second um i'll i'll lay my cards on the table. ketamine i'm a fan uh it's been around forever (laughs) we use it in er's for anesthesia for adolescents and children uh because it is safe and you can use it in large quantities and people don't stop breathing i mean they need some monitoring they do not stop breathing so when everyone went crazy over the ketamine with matthew perry i was pushing back going no the crazy thing is that he got his hands on that much that's odd but that did not kill him what do you say about that
1: I agree. Yeah. I mean if you look at his autopsy report which I think is so strange that everyone can see this. Yeah, yeah. But, um he was had multiple uh agents in his system. He had two different uh, benzodiazepines. And one two. He had two. Oh, who gave why him did he those? He do? I don't know why. Like, who prescribed him two different ones? Yeah, and, yeah. One. and that, that with though. an opiate, with
0: with, with with a black box warning against one of those particular right. benzodiazepines. That killed him. Everybody, no, the ketamine didn't help, but the other two is what made him stop. Yeah. to be there. I
1: need should, You shouldn't be doing ketamine in a pool by yourself, I'm, right? Exactly. In I wouldn't do. <laughs> you shouldn't drink alcohol in a in right. a hot tub. Right. It. But but
0: really, what the the ketamine may have contributed to his sedation, but but what made him not. Gasp for air when he went underwater was the opiate benzo combination that that is absolutely yeah. sure. My yeah. yeah yeah
1: yeah I, so, I agree i think he he drowned that was the primary cause yep. i think you know, anyone as you know when you fill out those forms you, you know anyone could write any cause of death and i just don't understand how ketamine uh, toxicity would ever you need much higher doses even than he had. And he had a lot and i don't know how we got it in him
0: that's you know, the odd part
1: yeah. Was, he, no, was he
0: squirting it do you think no one
1: knows they didn't apparently they didn't find anything that yeah. any paraphernalia so either someone gave it to him who knows
0: he might have been shooting it i guess right he could have been he cho-
1: would have found puncture marks on the skin they yeah i was it. looking
0: for that i didn't see anything like that either i, I agree they they, um it was just it, there was a weird in addition to the press being highly inaccurate in how they reported this this Have heard of gelman amnesia it's yeah. a great example. Yeah. Asia, Dr. Gellner was a famous physicist who would read the paper regularly. And when he came upon stories about physics, he would go, Oh my God, these stories are so inaccurate so wrong. And then he'd proceed to read these complex, continued stories about politics and international affairs, assuming right. all those are correct. Exactly. Of course, it's all wrong. It's all completely oh, yeah. distorted nonsense. Uh, but you know it when it's your field or about you or somebody you are close to, whatever. Uh, so it's called Gelman amnesia and so you and I get to see it all the time when they report addiction to psychiatric stories it's just constant Um, where was I going with that Uh, so yeah the amount of ketamine and the route of administration and the fact that he got his hands on it all very 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 odd very odd and clearly a guy whose recovery was or whatever he I'm going to use recovery in quotes I don't know quite where he was at complete mess things were not going well for that poor guy
1: it's pretty sad and whoever gave it to him uh, I don't well, know whether I, it was illicit or it was given through some online site. I don't know.
0: Oh, don't know. online has it available. That's it. I don't they, think, they think sort of, the, the way they reported it, it was almost as though a physician had given it to him as part of his treatment. They sort of alluded, like, you know, he, he was being given ketamine. He was getting ketamine infusions. And That's now cool. look, ketamine in his blood. Yeah. Okay.
1: <laughs> Unrelated. Unrelated. Yeah, unrelated, yeah. and how he got it at home. He, uh, the infusion was 10, years, 10 days prior. Yeah. So where he got the inf the the, the whether he took it intranasal or yeah. oral is unknown. But he shouldn't have had that at home. A drug person with drug addiction issues should yeah. not be using ketamine at home. Period.
0: And and, and in my world, not unre- not at all uncommon for somebody with a syndrome like Matthew Perry to walk out of his ketamine infusion with his pockets full of all kinds of stuff that he stole. It right. could have just been stolen from the ketamine, uh, you know, infusion center. Who knows? Uh, yeah. Happens all the time. That's part of drug addiction. Everybody, it's how it works. Not that he's not a bad person. That's part of his addiction. Makes right. you do bad stuff. Right. Uh, um. Let's see what uh, what else there were. Oh yeah, the other thing I read his autopsy too, and that guy was in bad shape medically. I felt so sorry for him. He yeah, had, had me he had liver disease, he had chronic pancreatitis. He had just. It was just a freaking mess. So I, I looked at that. And first thing I thought was, oh, he was not long for this world. All Anyway, just medically, it, it would be hard to keep that guy going. Um, uh, where are you? How? Let's say you had a case like that. I'm just curious because I'm, i so many mixed feelings about this these days. Uh, the use of medically assisted tr- medical replacement is suboxone and those sorts of yeah. medication for a, ca- a complex case like Matthew Perry. Do you have any biases? I'm a little no. biased. Uh, I mean, you don't yeah. I'm a little You know, biased. I
1: prescribe, yeah, as a drug addiction. But I, I prescribe suboxone. And I I think it is one of the most um, helpful drugs. I, any of the drugs I've used in, in medicine. I think I've seen people's um, lives turn around the most from that. I've I had see. like. An, uh, uh, an art dealer to a, a heroin user uh, to a chief of police who was shot and became addicted to pain medications and was buying it on the street. These people have their lives turned around from some Suboxone. So I really do believe in Suboxone. I think it keeps people off of opiates really, really well. And oh, so, uh, I'm
0: so I'm going to ask you. Let's let's you and I not use terms like believe, so we'll we'll get ourselves in trouble with that. Right, you, sure. you have excellent clinical. Uh, fresh yeah. and, and i've seen go that home. too i i've had some problems i i'll tell you what my problems are uh and uh and by the way how, how where do you try to get people down to what, what are your sort of goals when you're bringing
1: people you down? know with, with the box zone you're yeah. talking about yeah. the box zone, I, you know you don't have to necessarily bring them down i do encourage them to to you know as they can but i as they can go down to like some people get down to, it's really to, you know, two six milligrams, milligrams. Yeah, you know, up to awesome. two milligrams, the hardest, the hard, it's the hardest to get off that last two.
0: Oh my God. It's terrible. It's terrible. Yeah. Yeah. Other yeah.
1: than that, they can do it. Nothing's dangerous. Coming off of opiates is not dangerous. Like no. it is uh, the benzos. No. Or, well,
0: that's what people are. They, but, but it, it causes a, um, a, a, what we call delusional preoccupation with withdrawal. Particularly methadone does that. Their their preoccupation with withdrawal is is literally distorted compared to the reality of the withdrawal. Right. But the uh,
1: beauty of of suboxone is a mixed agonist antagonist. So it, it actually protects them. So being on the suboxone, if they were to take, you know, use heroin or other opiates, it would actually put them right into withdrawal. So it actually, you know, having it on board and it has no effects on their mentation. They're completely lucid, awake. I haven't had one, not one of my patients. I've had a number of people. Not one of them has ever gone back to using other opiates other than that. So,
0: so I, I am disturbed that it's not used more frequently in chronic sure. pain. Uh, I have seen miracles with chronic pain patients who are, as you know, very difficult, challenging right. patients. Uh, and there's this weird resistance to using suboxone for chronic pain. They, they get their lives restored. Do you oh. know where that's coming from?
1: I think, you know, I think it's hard to get off of, you know, it's a very, very long acting agent, suboxone. So it is very long acting. Mm-hmm. So once they're on it for a period of time, it's much harder to wean them off of that than a shorter acting, uh, uh be- um, I don't know. yeah, but, but it is safer uh, in, in the long run. It is safer, but harder to get off. A,
0: these are people, oftentimes that have been on their opiates forever, and lives are ruined, and they have severe pain that's mostly withdrawal or hyperalgesia and other things, and right. all that goes away with the suboxone. Anyway, I so but I'm I'm a, my my issues I've had with suboxone. Interestingly, uh, when I ran a unit, I had to only allow people to use it elsewhere because as soon as I brought a any opiate or any benzodiazepine onto my unit for anybody. The whole unit would unravel. <laughs> they, couldn't, they couldn't function. I, you give it to him, and not all the splitting kicks in, you know, and that right. goes. So that was always tough for me. The other thing, and this is actually my biggest concern about Suboxone, is that so many people are prescribing it that really don't understand addiction. Uh, mm-hmm. and Matthew Perry is a great example of that. Like if you, if if I were giving Matthew Perry a Suboxone, I would be. Oh my God! Would I be testing him? I would be all over him. I would assume he's relapsing all the time. I, I you know, I would I would monitor the hell out of him and look for things that um, look for. You have to be a, a, a detective to help these patients. You're trying to create a structure for them to help them. You're not accusing them of things. You're trying to. It's the only objective test we have is urine toxicologies, and blood screens and things. And uh, I'm, so many people just go, okay, you're on you're on suboxone, all done here. And yeah. that is concerning. And then they end up on the benzos and then they do other things and off they go. Um, have you seen that as well?
1: Yes. I mean, you know, I think the bigger issue with, with addiction is where's the source of the addiction? I think we're having a problem with the way we treat addiction, the way we see it. There's a lot of shame in it. Yeah. So yeah. having to over, you know, monitor. Of course, it's. It's. it's just, they feel like they're not being trusted. There's a lot of. They go in to go get their uh, their suboxone in the pharmacy, and they're, they're looked down upon. So there's well, a lot ridiculous. of things. That's right. I, of things. But the same thing, by the way,
0: though with the urine screen, though it's like yeah. if you had anemia, I would check your blood once in a while. And you have addiction. I'm going to yeah. check your urine once. In a while. That's all I got. And and uh, so I I get very matter of fact about it with patients, and then they, I I I have not you know. <laughs> at least when they're using, I've never seen shame or stigma bother a drug addict in active disease. I I understand later when they're in recovery and all that that it's unfair and and they shouldn't be judged that way at all. And I agree with that. If you want marketing made simple, it is Shopify. They remove the guesswork with built-in tools that help you create, execute, and analyze online marketing campaigns. If you're running a growing business, it means getting the insights you need wherever you are and whenever you need them. With Shopify's single dashboard, you can manage orders, shipping, and payments from anywhere. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. No matter what you're selling, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. Shopify helps turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout, 36% better on average compared with other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI powered all-star. Shopify powers ten percent of all e-commerce in the US, and it is the global force behind so many brands. Sign up for one dollar per month trial period at Shopify.com slash DREW. Again, that is Shopify.com slash Drew, all lowercase. Go to Shopify.com slash Drew now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. One more time, that is Shopify.com slash Drew.
1: I, mean, I think people use it as a tool to cope, you know, it's a coping mechanism. He couldn't handle fame. Fame, you know, as we see a lot of uh, people in, in, you know, in Hollywood and other famous people, it's hard to deal with with, with the attention or, or or lack of attention when things do wane and it always wanes. It's very, very hard right. to do.
0: That that is the thing. I've treated lots of celebrities. Yeah. And the, the the it's not the fame. It's the fear of losing the fame. It's the, you know, their career's going down in some way. Yeah. And and they often are very, you know, as we, we're we're slowly getting to the to talk to talk about the the source of the addiction, but one of the underlying uh, mood states is shame. Shame is very profound uh, with people with addiction. And so when somebody has a public uh, persona that is admired, it makes the shame stand out. And they, they have trouble with that, too, oftentimes. Yeah. So let's go, go into the uh, source, which is you know trauma and, and traumas associated with shame and distrust and dysregulation and all these things.
1: What do we do with that? Yeah. You know, I find, you know, the beauty of ketamine, we have a program specifically for alcohol use disorder, but it's for any addiction. I think with the ketamine, after a series of these infusions, we find that people stop needing it. They, they feel like they see it doesn't serve them anymore. It's really, and most people don't really enjoy the alcohol. Some people like the taste, but majority don't. They're using it as a tool to cope. And when they feel like they're more, they have more um, agency, more ability to, to, choose how they see the world, how they could respond to the world. They know a lot and they don't feel like they need to to, to suppress or to, to numb themselves. And we see this, I, I think it's one of the most powerful, actually out of psychedelics, I think it is the most powerful with addiction. And I've seen the uh, the best results with addiction. It's it was for results, easy to quantify you know, using less alcohol, whether it's cigarette smoking, sex addiction. I've used it with, I just had someone here today with a severe sex addiction, porn addiction. And he's on his fifth treatment and he stopped watching. I mean, he stopped watching pornography, you know, mm. which is another way of an outlet or or binge watching uh, Netflix or, you know, sitting on Instagram for four hours. I mean, these are all ways that people use to just sort of zone out and cope. Mm. And when you realize that, you know, when you go into these journeys, these psychedelic journeys, you get into a very deep sense of self that you don't feel like you need to escape it. actually these these other substances numb the good parts of us and and take away that that feeling of of sort of openness and so it actually does the opposite so it's the antithesis of of escapism actually um doing a proper psychedelic experience and, so, and
0: do you do you have to do some sort of maintenance typically
1: some typically people do need maintenance. It could be every, uh, depends on how well they, how much work they put into it afterwards, but it's usually, you know, every but, three what, to how six much
0: months. psychotherapy or, recovery?
1: and they continue, you know, most of the people that come in here have are currently in psychotherapy. So they continue with their current psychotherapist. Mm-hmm. Uh um, so they continue with that and, and then they come back for, you know, periodic infusions. It can be every three to six months. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, yeah. and that's been, and we've had people not come at all, you know, and they're doing great. We call them a year later and they're doing fantastic.
0: And, and you uh, throw you know, in other uh, trauma specific therapies like EMDR or anything of that sort.
1: We don't use it. We've have a number of our, our members here who do use EMDR around the time of the treatment here. Um, and, the, and I think the two go well together. Same thing with therapy. I always encourage people after a treatment to actually um, schedule their therapy about 36 to 72 hours after their infusions, where they're, there's a, that's like a good soft spot where there's a sort of this sort of neuroplastic um, peak effect mm-hmm. at that time and they're much more open and they feel like he, and the therapists have told me that they find that their clients are much more open uh, than they've ever been much more receptive. So a lot of them have been through years of therapy and they know it intellectually, but what going through these treatments allows them to be more open to sort of go into it from a more, um, Emotional, more uh, more intuitive part of themselves i,
0: w- I would you, you use the term neuroplasticity and and that i think is the issue is that you you can access parts that trauma blocks out for various whatever it is about our adaptation system stephen poor just thinks it's a late developing vagal nerve uh, nucleus that changes how we access those parts of the brain that have been traumatized and um and, and we've used the word mood uh, several times, but it, it's to me, I always think about trauma more specifically. And, and of course, people are meet criteria for mood disorders very, very frequently, as we've said. But I think about the overall syndrome as dysregulation. Mm-hmm. They're just so dysregulated in so many ways, uh, and 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 we sort of globally call that affect dysregulation. Uh, and I, I also see that as disconnections right and you're and you're getting them to integrate back to the a whole which is the goal always that that that's where addictions get better where people can regulate as a whole otherwise that traumatized part is sitting somewhere needing attention right without conscious influence necessarily without without any connection to anything else
1: yeah so yeah it's it's almost like a recalibration of the system i call it you know Mm -hmm. they've been pushed off and we're not like, call it almost like a psycho-spiritual misalignment. It's like, you know, if someone breaks a bone and there's pain, is the pain, the pain's not a disease. The pain's a messenger letting you know that there is a bone out of alignment. We can, you know, numb people up with morphine and they can continue walking in the leg and the leg will never heal and they'll eventually need to take care of it. Or we could put on a cast, you know, maybe a little bit of morphine, get them in the, in, you know, in the doctor's office, put a cast on. And with time... The bone heals and the pain is no longer necessary. I think mood disorders, a lot of our emotions are there almost as messengers letting us know that we're not in alignment, that we're not seeing the world in alignment with what we truly want. And 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 we don't listen and we don't make the small changes. It builds and builds and builds until a point where it sort of gets entrenched into a mood disorder or a personality disorder. Right,
0: right, right, right. I think that's exactly right. It's yeah. it, it just becomes a, 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 a repetitive... Yeah. Uh, pattern of wiring essentially and, and, exactly. and yeah uh it, it's it's very interesting area is is new Nush, is new shama is that the
1: yeah, the, yeah
0: that's that's where you're where you're doing where and where are you
1: so we're located in manhattan on 53rd and madison mm-hmm. uh but really nice center we have about 10 infusion right rooms.
0: by st patty's
1: Yeah, right near St. Patty's, right near all the the train stations. We have an E train right in our building. (laughs) (laughs) And
0: and if you're from out of town, there's a nice hotel, the Palace, right there, two blocks
1: up. I walk by it every day. Yeah.
0: (laughs) That's so funny. That's a great part of town. So if people are are, uh, in, do you treat people from out of town? Is that?
1: Yeah. Yeah. We've had actually people from New Zealand come see us. Hmm. Uh, we've had people from all over, yeah, you know, all over the world. Um, yeah, come, come for our services.
0: Uh, are there we things going forward that excite you that you're sort of looking at, that you see whiffs of here and there, cause this stuff, you know, these, these, you, you can't always find the literature in the main journals
1: <laughs> right, <laughs> each yeah. around
0: for it. But what what are you seeing that, uh, excites you?
1: Yeah, I think, uh, I think, you know, the, the, the help in addiction, I think it, this is going to be an incredible adjunct to addiction care. I think it's going to be standard of care. Actually, I mm. see it that effective um, in the studies and also in my in my personal experience. Um, I think PTSD, um, we've seen really, really good results with that. We actually have a study uh, coming out with, um, we have uh, interns from um, Columbia University. So we're, we're actually going to hopefully publish a study on PTSD We had a few people with very treatment resistant PTSD and we found that we were using our regular protocol and their depression scores and anxiety scores, their GAD7 and PHQ-9 scores were getting better, but their their trauma scores, they're still entrenched in the trauma. And then we did this exposure, this sort of very simple narrative, self-directed narrative exposure therapy, where they sort of write it almost like a, a piece. They write it out themselves, they expose themselves to their previous trauma. They write it. They write it out. They write yeah. it out under the guys with the help of a therapist, and uh, and then we used it. I and mean, then they would read it or you know read it right before their uh, their treatment. And then they would go into the, the into the uh, ketamine treatment, and we saw incredible results. Actually, where they were <laughs> stuck, we started seeing really significant improvements in their. Um, their PCL scores, their uh, trauma scores. So that's exciting. I think very exciting. And I think this will be standard of care. And then the other agents like MDMA, which are going to come on board and, uh, and and psilocybin at some point, I think um, will have their place. A little bit harder to work with. I think um, number one, people have, you know, with ketamine, you don't have to come off of your uh, your uh, antidepressants, your SSRI. Mm-hmm. Right. With MDMA and psilocybin, you do oh, so people have to wean off, and that could be very difficult. Uh, yeah. Most of our members, most of the people coming through our program, are on uh, on psycho, you know, psychotropic agents.
0: And do you uh, work with MAPS?
1: Uh, I don't work directly with MAPS. No, MAPS is really direct towards using MDMA specifically for PTSD. Well okay. so
0: so I interviewed I forget the guy's name starts with a D that's the president of yeah, uh,
1: yeah Rick Doblin Doblin Multidisciplinary uh,
0: Multi-Disciplinary Association for, for yes. Psychedelic Studies he Rick had done the original studies on 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 uh, MDMA it they're they they get into a lot more stuff but but Rick is on the record saying we only have the data to support this and yes. he emphasized repeatedly that in proper hands, he kept saying, you have to understand how to manage these patients under this particular, and it's not every therapist that can do it. Uh, and I don't really know what the specifics were that, that he was talking about, but he just, he was really cautioned against anybody thinking they can just do MDMA guided uh, trauma therapy.
1: I, I agree with that. I think that, you know, MDMA, they're actually talking and interacting during, the, you know, some well they, at some point during the the treatment, the treatment's a little long, you know, it's five hours versus mm-hmm. like one hour of ketamine. And it does involve uh, more hands-on care. And there's a tre- there's a training program specifically through MAPS to train future um, providers for this. So they're getting people ready. Uh, yeah, once what, I think
0: ready. that's why he was emphasizing that, that he wanted yeah. to have people to train properly. For, for yeah, it. people need to be trained properly. I mean, it's
1: yeah. very important. Um,
0: and so are you not doing any medicine anymore? You're just doing straight...
1: No, I'm just doing this. You know, okay. I was doing part-time. I was still at Goldman Sachs uh, for a number of uh, years. I was there for 13 years. And then You know, I saw how effective this was, and it just—I felt like I was doing real medicine. I was really making a difference here, and I went full time um, uh, last November, and uh, it's been incredible—a really incredible uh, journey with this. Literally,
0: (laughs) do you do you get medical students in there?
1: We get uh, we get interns. We get uh, Columbia uh, Columbia not medical students, but uh, Columbia School of Social Work.
0: Uh, oh, so we need to get medical service. students in there. The yeah, students...
1: I guess it's medicine. Are ready for this? It's Not really part of the mainstream medicine just well,
0: yet. But they, but they it, all, all they'd have to do is spend about five days with you as part of a psychiatric rotation. You yeah. know, it would make perfect sense. There's, there's okay. tons of psychiatric stuff going on in. in
1: yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think we will in the future.
0: What's up, guys? I'm Brendan Schaub. If you love everything mixed martial arts, I'm talking UFC breakdowns, UFC picks, one championship picks, Bellator, PFL, you name it, your boy breaks it all down. Tune into The Shop Show, available every Monday wherever you listen to your podcasts. The Shop Show. Enjoy. <laughs> I taught for like 10 years. I taught first in medicine and then through psychiatry uh, for about 10 years. And uh, I really feel like it was so important to expose those medical students to the spectrum of addiction and addiction treatment because they were not getting it anywhere else. In the meantime, they were treating the pneumonias and the skin infections and the the heroin withdrawal haphazardly on the wards at the County hospital. And uh, every single patient, every single kid, they were sort of, uh, I, you know, the scales were falling from their eyes. Right. Uh, occasionally I'd run into ones that would, that would go, I'm going to be an ENT surgeon. I'm really not going to deal with any of this. So I'll just, I'll just hang out with you guys for a week. <laughs> so it's all right. Fine. It's fine. Uh, but uh, most were uh, sort of blown away by their lack of uh, uh, sophistication on this topic.
1: Yeah, they really don't teach this very well, even no. addiction medicine, the way addictions treat in this country. We're going to look back one day and go, oh, my, I, it's, it's just not working. It's just not working. Well, it's we're not.
0: We, we just don't. Yeah, we I've I seen the my, my thing consistently is we we don't have the practitioner. like You have a level of sophistication with this that mm-hmm. you only get through experience. Right? right. I mean, that's the only way you get it. Because uh, it's it's a it's a diff it's a lot of instinctive like you're you're a lot of the time as I was talking about you know Matthew Perry stealing stuff you, you're trying to really be intuitive around these patients of what they're experiencing versus what they're saying and you know what can help them and and that that is not something you learn in a classroom right. and I've noticed a lot of the addiction uh, sort of stuff for the first and second year medical students are just sort of lectures about uh, you know the DSM five and then sort of specific medically assisted care it's like yeah yeah they need to know that but that does not get at this at all
1: yeah, you have uh, to go into a room with them and feel them and and also gain their trust i think you know and not look down on them it's hard well, it's
0: i see i have no trouble with that i i it, i, 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 I me have done it for so many years that's, that's what it is but and i actually think they're hysterical when when they try to screw around with that it's just me it's like come on guys <laughs> we're here to help you come on here we go let's mm-hmm. stop that shit uh but but the 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 we, we need an army of people that can do this uh, yeah. and we need politicians and legal you know and bureaucrat or uh, people to make laws and things to understand how to help this and what it is and what it isn't and uh, until we do that I just am very frustrated with everything it's just it's just so and and by the way, it's why I'm enthusiastic about Suboxone these days because it's our only hope is giving people medically assisted treatment to the point that they can clear and, and start to make decisions and, and get off the streets and not be under the the in the, the 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 disease it's a disease of the brain you know and and they're they're under that influence all the time if you don't break it
1: right. and they've loosened up the laws actually for suboxone it's very easy you know there used to be limits you have to take a course mm. now any internist anyone could could prescribe suboxone
0: but, um, but that think- worries me though yes you're right and we need armies of people doing it i totally agree but um, that also is the problem, right? It's the same. It's it's all a lot of people. To Some do.
1: extent, yes, they're only treating the issue. But I think you can save a lot of lives right now. Um, well, right
0: now well, you give you off the streets at least. That, that's goal one. Get them on.
1: Get, the get them on Suboxone. Better than buying this stuff on the street with the fentanyl and all these other oh, yeah. you know, new ones coming from Russia. There's other opiates that are far more potent. Even than oh, is that
0: right? We're getting a new
1: yeah. New there's stuff? synthetic uh, opiates that are quite deadly that yeah. are coming to the country. It's a little scary.
0: And those yeah. Russia via Mexico, like everything uh, else? Yeah,
1: I don't know how they're...
0: <laughs> What's it called? What are the names?
1: I, you know, I don't know the name. I could. I. I, I don't recall the name.
0: There was like a... I, I know there was a fentanyl. Scary. Car fentanyl, of course, was out there. And that's even 100 times stronger yeah. in that zone. Well, listen, uh, I appreciate you spending a little time with us. I appreciate the work you're doing. Um, let's let us give the website out. Uh, I, I, you know, I have... Need referrals once in a while out there. I'm I'm in West Coast right now, and um, but trust me, you you will one day see somebody from me because <laughs> exactly. I deal with this stuff a lot. Uh, and this this what you have to offer to me if it's a real specific kind of patient that that I encounter quite quite often.
1: Beautiful work and powerful work. So so it is
0: nushama.org or something
1: yeah so no it's uh www.nushama.com n-u-s-h-a-m-a.com
0: yeah and uh congratulations it's very cool you're doing this work and that you're you know in it as deep as you are because as i said we need armies of people like you and i don't know about you but i don't come across them that often I, no, I, no, there's I, not very many people i collect country. them when i when i find them and uh yeah. so and everybody has kind of their own strength their own specialization and stuff but but you, i know it when i see it. people understand this thing and that's 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 what we need is understanding a deep deep, deep understanding yeah me too all right dr Stephen rudowitz thank you, you so much thank you thank you, and uh hope to converse professionally one of these days when somebody shows up at your doorstep. Thank you. All right, you got it. You so much. Okay, Everybody else, we'll see you yes. next time. All conversation and information exchanged during the participation in the Dr. Drew podcast is intended for educational and entertainment purposes only. Do not confuse this with treatment or medical advice or direction. Nothing on these podcasts supplement or supersede the relationship and direction of your medical caretakers. Although Dr. Drew is a licensed physician with specialty board certifications by the American Board of Internal Medicine and the American Board of Addiction Medicine, he is not functioning as a physician in this environment. The same applies to any professionals who may appear on the podcast or drdrew.com.
1: Hold on to your jingle bells. Pluto TV has all your holiday favorites for free. Enjoy Christmas classics like Scrooge with Bill Murray or Last Holiday with Queen Latifah. Plus, dive into festive channels like Holiday Movie Favorites by Lifetime or Hallmark Movies and more. Download the Pluto TV app on all your favorite devices and start streaming holiday favorites on live channels and on demand. With thousands of free movies and TV shows, Pluto TV is your home for the holidays. Pluto TV. Stream now. Pay never.